All right. Welcome back to Journalistic Integrity. It is Tuesday, December 21st, and after tonight's games, we will only have three weeks remaining in the NFL season. It seems like it's been a really long season, especially with that extra week, but at the same time, it feels like we were just gearing up for the start of the season a couple weeks ago. So crazy how quickly the NFL season has gone by, but we still have the biggest games in front of us. And so today's layout, I'm going to talk about the Lions upset over the Cardinals, what's going on in Arizona and Kyler Murray. Also, the Packers, Ravens, a little analytics, Ravens going for two at the end. And then also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers surprise shutout loss and the injuries to that Tampa team, which has been bad. Chris Godwin um, comes back on a one-year deal, wants to win another ring with the Bucks, and he ends up tearing his ACL a few games before the season ends and he can hit free agency. So really tough, brutal um, spot for him. But let's start with the Monday night games. It was a doubleheader because of the COVID issues. Two of the worst games that I've watched, and I was actually flipping back between that and a movie called Misery, a Stephen King movie with James Caan. I might dabble in doing some movie reviews because there's a lot of good movies from the 90s and 80s, and then we get today's movies like, cool, does you know Thanos, Thanos does a snap, Thanos kills a bunch of people. I haven't watched any of the Avenger movies, but it just seems like that's what happens every single time, and I don't know how they are good movies, but that's, that's kind of the situation we're in the past couple of years with the superhero movies. But anyway, back to football, uh, comes down. Late drive, Brown's defense keeps them in it. It's 14-13, and then we've seen this situation before. It's third and short, two and a half minutes left, and the Browns decide to run the ball in a full box. They get stopped. They have to punt it back, and it's a bad decision. The goal when it's third and short is if we get a first down, the game is over, right? The, the Oakland had no timeouts. Instead, they fall into this false trap of playing it safe and running it, and the only thing you get from running it is you run it down to the two-minute warning instead of it being like 2.20 left if you throw it in, it's incomplete. Regardless, when Oakland got the ball after the run, they just had to go 40 yards with a minute and 50 seconds left, which is really easy in the NFL when people are able to complete these deep passes over the middle and get on the ball and spike it in like eight or nine seconds. And so it was the wrong play call. They played it conservative, and we've seen this time and again on these third and shorts, it's always smarter to have the primary goal to get the first down, not to run the clock out, and that's what hurt the Browns. And Derek Carr leads them to a field goal. And so the Browns drop to 7-7. Seven and seven. If they win this game, they lead their division. They win the tiebreaker over – they would have been 8-6, had the tiebreaker over Cincinnati with the head-to-head, and they would have been the four seed. Instead, they lose, and they drop all the way down to the 12 seed. An 8 seed difference in this game a third and three was the difference between taking the lead in your division and now being on the very outskirts of the playoff picture and most likely out of playoff contention okay next game the late game who do you think would win this game with the following stats team a 370 total yards 5.3 yards per play team b 193 total yards 3.2 yards per play team a 255 passing yards, 26 to 39, six point yards per pass. And then team B, 61 yards passing, 12 of 24, 2.2 yards per pass. 
you would probably say, well, you'd probably say, I think Team B won because why would else would you be asking me this? But the overall point is the stats were insane. Chicago had a bunch of solid drives that did not end up resulting in points. And the story of the game was turnovers and penalties. Chicago Bears, as you might guess, were the Team A with the better stats, but lost 17-9. They had three turnovers. And they were all three lost fumbles. You can kind of be like, okay, I'm okay with an interception here, trying to force the ball downfield, but three fumbles, unacceptable. And then also nine penalties, 91 yards. There's no way Matt Nagy returns when you've got a team that outplays another team at home and you end up losing, and it wasn't even that close. Chicago scored a touchdown in the last play of the game to make it 17-9, but it was 17-3 for a long time in the second half. It was a classic Minnesota Vikings game. They played down to their competition, and it seems like they really miss Adam Thielen, who is out again. And Justin Jefferson had a touchdown, but he only had like four catches for 50 yards. Um, but we look at the playoff standings. Vikings somehow the seventh seed at 7-7 seven and seven right now, but there's still a game to be played between the Washington and Philadelphia. And I think if Washington wins, both teams are 6-7, and seven, I think Washington owns the tiebreaker, so they may leapfrog them if they win. Not completely sure how all these tie breaks pan out because New Orleans is the eight seed at seven and seven, but Minnesota wins that tie break based on the win percentage in conference games. So if the Vikings make the playoffs, they'll have to earn it because their last three games, they're home against the Rams next week. Then they're in green Bay on Sunday night, week 17, and then they're at home against the bears. You would think they have to go at least two and one in those games. So they're either going to have to beat the Rams or the Packers to get to nine and eight but I just feel, I feel my bones. The Vikings still have one more brutal, terrible missed field goal, missed 30-yard field goal at the end, a terrible Kirk Cousins interception at the end. Who He's the, he's the hardest player to evaluate because his stats are amazing. But you can tell easily, anybody who's ever watched football, when you watch them, there still is a piece missing. There's no playmaking. Can't run around and make a play. Everything has to be really on schedule. Everything has to be perfect in front of them. But at the same time, he... He plays really well. He gives you, you know, high completion percentage, bunch of touchdowns, low interceptions. But the Vikings just don't feel like a playoff team. A lot of other teams in the playoff race are starting, like they're improving. The Vikings have not improved since week one. They've just been the same identical team for three and a half straight months. Meanwhile, you've got other teams like the 49ers who are playing better. The Rams, who are starting to get a little better on offense. The Packers have been awesome. Uh, the Chiefs have turned things around. The Patriots, the Bengals, the Colts, all these other teams that started off slow, they all started picking up steam, and they've gotten better. And I don't think the Vikings have, and I think a lot of that goes on Zimmer. So um, I think these will be the last three games that he coaches as a Vikings head coach. All right, let's talk about a few games from Sunday. Okay, let's finish up with three different games from Sunday. Let's start with the Lions upset over the Arizona Cardinals. I believe the Cardinals were minus 600 money line going into the game. Pretty amazing upset for a couple different reasons. Number one, when you look at the motivations, and especially late in the season when you've got a playoff team, especially a team that's vying for that number one seed, which means a ton, as we know with the new format, you get home field throughout, and that bye week that is really important, especially to players. And then on the other side, you've got the Lions, who they're no longer going after that elusive first win. They already got a win. They don't have to worry about a uh, defeated season. 
And number two, when you think about the motivations for the Lions, yeah, they're trying to win, but they're probably, those players, a lot of them are thinking about that second contract, if it's a contract year, and they really don't want to get hurt at the end of the season when these games don't mean anything. And so the motivation is swung, skewed way towards the Cardinals' side, and they still lose. They don't just lose. It wasn't just a fluke. They get blown out against the Lions, and I think the first person you have to look at is Kyler Murray, who we've seen this again for a couple years in a row now, starts hot, first half of the season, gets nicked up, and then trending down the back half of the season. But I think the biggest thing is the leadership issue, where it kind of seems like he's doing things out on his own. Like there's no celebrations on the sideline. His body language isn't great. There's no palling around with with people. And they kind of, you could kind of tell the Cardinals in the offseason, they go out and get J.J. Watt. I think it was like two years, $18 million. I don't think any other team was going to pay for him or pay that much for him. And it was almost like the Cardinals were trying to fill this leadership gap. And Kyler's got all these other interests. He's doing like the gaming stuff, all this other stuff. And it seems like there's not a lot of connectivity between the players. And you can even see it on the field. Kyler's an off-script quarterback, but at some point there's got to be plays within the script when you're not making all these crazy Herculean plays, even the Chiefs with Mahomes, there's, you know, even the the big Tyreek plays, the big Kelsey plays, they're all within the play. Like it's designed for Tyreek to run this way, Jag, uh, and then step and go the other way. A lot of these big plays for the Cardinals are all these off script plays. And when they're not there, the offense doesn't seem to function in just a classic, hey, we're going to do a run play, run play, fake jack sweep. Then we're going to do an RPO, linebacker comes in, then we hit Zach Ertz in the gap that the linebacker voided. There doesn't seem like a lot of that, and maybe that goes on on Kingsbury as well, but this whole notion of having the really good player doing all these great things, but then not living up to their potential. It reminds me of when I was in LA and I was on this in this basketball league, and my team had by far the best player in the league. It was a pretty good league, but this guy was like 6'5", really athletic, he went D1 to an SEC school, was only playing like eight minutes a game, then transferred to a lower D1 school and scored like 20, 25 points a game. So he was really good, by far the best player in the league. Um, actually, the second best player was Julia Luis Dreyfus's son. He played at Northwestern, pretty good. But anyway, our team, we had the best player by far, and our team, it was so frustrating, our team would go, we'd play like four or five games, we'd go one and three one and four, two and three, every single week. And it made no sense because we had by far the best player. But when I sat down and thought about it, the way we played, it was just him doing everything. Like he would take all the shots and he made a lot of them. But we got to a point where, and we played a 15 by ones and twos, and we'd get to a point where we would be up like 11-8. And we almost got to that uh, 15, only four points away. And then those shots started missing. And the defense started focusing in on him. And then people were taking, were getting shots that weren't used to taking shots because they were sending the double team. And it's like we hadn't practiced and prepared to have these certain plays ready to go when we needed a basket. It was always relying on this one guy. Meanwhile, the other team had had games and games of practice of trying to get the best shots. And they would eventually come back. And it was the most frustrating thing ever because we had the best team. We had the best player. We were playing against guys who could not even play D3 when we had a guy who was so much better than everybody else, and we would still lose. And it, 
it kind of reminds me of Kyler in this Cardinals offense where so many times they have these deep, you know, big, long runs, long passes, but they haven't had practice at when it's, you know, a must-pass situation. They've got to come back, and they have to methodically drive down the field. The Lions have safeties playing back, taking away the deep throws, no Hopkins, the intermediate passing game. They hadn't been accustomed to doing that, and the Lions really shut them down. Um, when the Cardinals were trying to, you know, get back into the game. And you just kept thinking, all right, the Cardinals are going to score a touchdown, get back in it. But it never happened. And the Cardinals, they seem like they peaked in like week six. And it does not look like things are going to get better with a couple weeks left in the season, especially when their Twitter account is not posting the score to the game. Okay, I want to do like a minute max on analytics because I know that talk can get – boring and old after after a while but Ravens go for two again against the Packers down one they don't get it I had a big problem with the play call when you've got Tyler Huntley and it's weird it's almost I think it's a paradox is the right word but when you roll your quarterback out when you start him running you almost take out the running ability of the quarterback because now they're at half the field now all the defense is on that side and they can't run Meanwhile, if you drop straight back, you can run right, left, or forward. But basically, the Ravens scramble them out right. The play was for Andrews. They were all over Andrews. I don't like putting Andrews out wide. I think he was better um, putting him somewhere in the middle, a little post up there, not uh, a throw on the run. But I guess the thinking was it's harder to double somebody when they're out wide. But anyway, the analytics, look, it's been a tough week. Analytics has taken their, you know, going forward on two-point conversion. It's taken their hits because they haven't converted the Chargers. Uh, going for it on fourth, and then the Ravens have gone for the two-point conversions twice. But in reality, this whole analytics thing, it's not one single decision. The, the analytics debate would happen after like a 10-year period where Harbaugh says, this is how we're going to play it. We're going to go with the numbers. And after 10 years, we look at the data. We should have, you know, an expected win total of like plus 2.4 wins because of these decisions we made, right? So you can look at it in single games and whatever, but when it's the analytics, it's like a 54-46% split. So 46% of it not working is still a really big deal. My problem was with it is that Huntley was playing really well, and you're at home, and so you can go into overtime. If you win the coin flip, there's a really good chance that you at least get a field goal because Justin Tucker's going to make anything under 60 yards, and Tyler Huntley was playing amazing. Like, he, he looked exactly like Lamar Jackson. He looked just as fast as Lamar. Some of those throws were even a little better than, than what Lamar's been like lately. But Huntley was playing really well. I think at some point, the going for two to win it does not just does not say that we believe in our team. It's actually saying, I don't believe in my team to win in overtime because we are not good, even though we are at home. And they'd stopped Rodgers um, a couple times in the second half. The Ravens had all the momentum. It was going to be a tie game, two touchdowns at the end to tie it up, and that was unfortunate. But, hey, I don't like the Ravens. I loved piling on on the Ravens. And a little thing that I actually, maybe I'm a little biased, but the Ravens, I think it was week three, they go for it on the fourth and one to beat the Chiefs. And I think Harbaugh just fell in love with analytics and going for it on fourth and two-point conversions, and it's cost them two games. And you got to think, if he kicks the extra point in one of those two games, there's a 50-50 chance that he w wins one of those games. So you think at least he goes 1-1, one one, or on average, he goes 1-1 one one if he kicks the extra point. But instead, 
they go 0-2, and now the division is really up in the air. Okay, let's wrap up with the Sunday night game. Tampa Bay Bucks get shut out 9-0 against the Saints. Saints are undefeated in the regular season against the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Bucks team. They really, so what they do defensively is they really trust Lattimore, their cornerback. They say, hey, you lock down Mike Evans. Then they're playing press man across the board with everybody because they don't fear the speed of any of these receivers, especially with Antonio Brown out. And in doing that, a lot of the shorter routes, a lot of those zone kind of, hey, Gronkowski, Godwin sit in these zone patches and it's boom, you know, one and a half seconds, balls out. A lot of that wasn't happening. It gives the pass rush. It gives Cam Jordan more time to rush the passer. They weren't able to get the run game going either. And the Saints win. is a big game. They're back in the playoff picture even after losing like five or six games in a row. But this team's completely different with Kamara. They're still not great offensively because they don't have a quarterback. But the big news from this game is Chris Godwin tears his ACL. He's out for the season. They first thought it might be an MCL and back for the playoffs, but unfortunately not. And then Mike Evans, hamstring, he's day-to-day, might be able to play next week. Antonio Brown's coming back, and they really, really need him, especially with Godwin out. And it's funny because when Arians brought in Antonio Brown, he said, one mistake and he's gone. Turns out, we already knew this, talent supersedes everything Antonio Brown still playing like a number one wide out in the league he makes he can make however many mistakes he wants to as long as he's producing on the field um, they're going to keep him around and you know so the Tampa Bay Bucks lose home field advantage but last year they go on the road and they beat Washington they beat the Saints in the Superdome and they beat Green Bay and Lambeau so I don't think they're afraid of going on the road. It's more the injuries. This offense was significantly worse without Antonio Brown, and that's when they had a healthy Evans, Gronk, and Godwin. Now Antonio Brown's going to be moved into the second wideout. Now they're going to have to have the, that third wideout step up, which we've talked about before is so important because there's usually a big drop-off between that second and third cornerback, and now they're going to have to have a Deontay Johnson or that um, that small white dude who's actually like runs like a four two eight, really fast guy. One of those guys is going to have to step up, but it did not look pretty lat on Sunday night because you can tell Tom Brady he like, and we saw it at the end of the with the Patriots. He needs to have confidence in his guys. He's got to have that rhythm down, and he was completely off, out of sync with these new receivers. So the return of Antonio Brown can't come soon enough. It stinks for Godwin. It stinks. That over-the-middle play, Collinsworth made the point. It's kind of a risky point to make on TV. Uh, you kind of felt it coming, but he was like, hey, with, with these you know, new rules where you can't hit high, guys are now hitting low, and the most important asset to these receivers is their knees, is their speed. They can get over a concussion and come back a week later, but when you take out a knee that's a year, eight, nine months, and they've got to have this crazy rehab to get their speed back. And tough break for Godwin because he was having an incredible, incredible season. I'm sure he won some people their fantasy playoffs. That wraps it up for today's Tuesday morning podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoyed it. And I'll be back in a few days. See you.